Okay, welcome to the latest United podcast, and first of all, our apologies for um, it's been about a week week since we have recorded a podcast, but we are back at the pub. Um, Larry, how was the weekend? No football this weekend. No, Survived? no. I mean, I didn't get to play, so that was depressing. And then no Premier League, and I got to say, it was freaking boring, wasn't it? It's been a while since the last international break, but when it comes around, you think, what on earth do I do with myself? What do I do during the week when there's no football? Because yeah. I know there is international football, but people who like that. I know one of our keen listeners, Rob, he enjoys it, but there's something wrong with him. He enjoys it. Yeah, no, he's retired. Um, but, I mean, international football is only good for, it's like, the World Cup. Yeah. You know, Euros is good. But Euros is only good because the season's over. Yeah. You know, like, for me, club football is the pinnacle. Like, do you give a shit about Australia? Like, when you watch the Socceroos play, do you care? I can't recall the last Socceroos game I watched. Well, that's the thing. I think, well, it ties nicely, or I wouldn't say nicely, into the first point. But I just want to bring up... Um, you just mentioned there in terms of Australia. I remember the last game Australia played at the World Cup. Well, actually, not the last World Cup. When we played Spain, and Juan Mata scored for Spain, I celebrated the Spanish goal. That's how much I care about the Australian football team. Oh, but they're just on that. Just on Juan Mata. We'll just start the podcast. Unfortunately, everyone heard the news overnight that his mother passed away. And we were discussing over the last couple of months that where where's he been? And it almost puts a like, sort of enlightens what happened because he, apparently the, his mother was quite severely ill for a couple of months and he has spent a bit of time back in Spain so unfortunately but I think one of those things just puts football into perspective because it's always sad when someone loses a parent but when you see that everyone is sort of almost feels a little bit of a connection with one matter and almost you feel like you know him a little bit and you almost feel his pain just a little bit more than if it was a random other person who lost their parent yeah um, I got tears in my eyes reading it this morning only because I've recently finished his book and he speaks so highly of his mother um, and you know like to lose a parent it's heartbreaking you know so yeah condolences with one Mata and his family well just on well we'll continue on from Mata I'm sure it's a more rosier subject that um, obviously you know the title of the podcast is the pound for pound who is the pound for pound greatest sign in, in Man United history or in Premier League history just before we go on to everything we'll just discuss one Mata for a little bit because it's hard to imagine it Kasha went back to 2013 and he doesn't go into this discussion of Man United's greatest signings, but he was a record signing. And the, the figure we're going to say here doesn't really feel like it could be a record signing sort of that recent ago. But it was about 35, 36 million for one matter, and that's a club record. Yeah, um, and, and to be fair to him as well, what a player, you know? I think he he's probably not in this conversation simply because of United's lack of success during his tenure, which is no fault of his own. I think it speaks to a greater problem at the club, but... Yeah, he did come in for a record, and it sort of set the precedent for United's new transfer strategy, or lack thereof, of, you know, massive massive money spent, but with no strategic plan. Even when Mata came in, there was that thought process of, okay, but what does he exactly fit in? I remember a major discussion in that Moy season was really needing enforcements in, um, in central midfield. One Mata, obviously, a more advanced player, but... He's been an excellent servant for United. Unfortunate not to enter into this discussion, but definitely worth a note to say he's been a good signing, no doubt. Yeah, no, definitely. And, yeah, look, I'll we'll dedicate a podcast to one matter if, if he does, in fact, leave at the end of the season. But in regards to the topic of the podcast, again, something just to fill the time with no football. We could discuss transfers, but we know the transfer, OK, by Harry Kane, by Erling Haaland, by a defender, end of the podcast. We, we, we know that sort of podcast. So we want to do something a little bit different and remember... Some more, um, some more pleasant times, and remember some better players throughout United's history or the Premier League history. So we're going to have a debate and hopefully come up with an answer of who is United's pound for pound greatest signing in Premier League history. So in pretty much layman's terms, value for money. 
So obviously the likes of Alexis Sanchez and Dean Maria aren't making the cut, unless you want to throw them in, Larry? Uh, no. Okay, we'll quickly move on. Now, the first, when this type of debate comes up, the first name that springs to mind for me, which I feel is the correct answer, is Dennis Irwin. Because he's come in for about £625,000 and won the lot. Won absolutely everything with United. There's a stalwart at left back. Now, I'm going to throw a technicality in there and say he was before the Premier League era. He was the season before. Now, I just think including him would open a can up, open up a can of worms because there'll be so many signings throughout the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, wherever. There would be huge bargains that we would, just wouldn't know about. So we're going to cut Dennis Irwin out of the discussion, even though I think he's very much in it. We'll throw him out of the discussion and just look at Premier League only. So I want to throw the first suggestion there, and I said Dennis Irwin is the correct answer. I think this guy might be my pick, unless our discussion sends me somewhere else. But um, Eric Cantona from Leeds, just your first thoughts on regards to the signing and his impact at United? Yeah, we'll leave our verdict to the end. Um, Eric Cantona sets the platform. He was the cherry on top for the catalyst that was Sir Alex Ferguson's success at Manchester United. Um, he was the signing that comes in. Um, I almost want to, if I were to compare it to a modern day signing, Bruno Fernandes is the obvious comparison. Um, what United go on to achieve with Bruno is still to be determined, but Cantona comes in, United win their first Premier League, he goes on to win four Premier League titles, two League Cups. What a run, and it also, and you know, if you want to put the history into perspective onto Cantona, um, that was Sir Alex's fourth year in charge, more, um, Sir Alex's fifth year in charge at the time, so um, he wins his first Premier League title with Cantona, and you could argue that sets United, not just for Sir Alex's success, you have to think of the club as a whole, United were known as the sleeping giant when Sir Alex first took over, so... In terms of what United go on to then achieve post Cantona, in terms of the treble, etc., you have to say it's a very strong candidate for signing pound for pound. Um, what a player as well. Like I don't think enough is mentioned of him, and I guess that's the concern when you live with modern football fans and YouTube. They don't really get to go back and really appreciate what a good player he was because he was majestic with the football. I think that's one of the things in terms that we're going to look at everyone's impact on the field, but with Cantona, pretty much half the argument, maybe even more than half the argument, is the impact his legacy had in terms of when he retired, his impact was still felt. And you saw United turned into this sort of juggernaut, and that sort of doesn't happen without Eric Cantona at the start of the story. So I think um, that is a huge part of it. I think also another part of it, which really isn't, but it's part of the story, is the way the signing comes about. It's Leeds United ringing up Man United. I think maybe someone can correct me, but Leeds United ringing up to inquire about Dennis Irwin or someone else. Yeah, that's correct. And it's Sir Alex Ferguson turning the tables, turning the table on that phone call, and ended up the phone call by signing Eric Cantona. And I just think that is part of the story. Okay, it doesn't have an impact on the way things turn out on the field in terms of Cantona's performance or his contribution or his technique or his goals or anything. But it's a crazy story when you think... We're having a phone call, you're ringing up about this player. 20 minutes later, the conversation has signed your rival's biggest player. Yeah, and not to mention 1.2 million. Um, I think if you put that in modern terms, you know, at least 20 million. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> it, it's insanity. And Leeds have a track record of selling players. And, and it just shows, again, talking to what Manchester United goes on to achieve from this signing. Um, 
what a mistake it could have been in Leeds United because we also know the the rise and fall of Leeds, um, particularly in the early 2000s. Well, Leeds were champions. Leeds won the league the season before. Exactly. So it's amazing to think what the difference could have been should Cantona have stayed put at Leeds and how this story could have played out so differently. So I think with Cantona, the interesting thing to take into account is exactly what you've said. It's the impact of the footballer. Brilliant. Um, that sort of player... He reminds me of Bruno, and I only say that because he played right off the striker, but some of the finishes he had in his locker, his ability on the ball, um, and he was he was the Zlatan before Zlatan. He was... Um, I know, he, well, I think that's part of it as well, not just the footballer, the persona that came with him was, yeah, was a huge part of it. Absolutely. The the raised collar, um, the arrogance on the football pitch, he was a character off the, uh, I mean, off the pitch, and he goes on to have an acting career. I think yeah. he, he speaks for himself. He's now infamous speech at one of the FIFA yeah. Um, I can't remember what what event it was. One of the 74 award shows they have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of his impact, you can't speak highly enough of the player. Whether it was all down to him, you know, of course that's subjective, but in terms of what United go on to achieve post-Cantona. Now, what's worth highlighting is he retired at the prime age of 28, which is insane. Do you think that's something... The reason we sort of almost came up with the idea for this podcast was pound for pound. There was a big UFC fight on the weekend. We're going to have the discussion around, but it didn't quite go ahead. But in terms of that, um, what was I going to say? In terms of the kung fu kick and retiring at a young age, yeah. a, y- a young fighter will almost have that stage where they maybe go on too long and you, so they finish the, their career with one or two losses. Not often a, play, a fighter goes out on top. Very, rare, very rarely a footballer will go out in the prime of their career. They'll have that last three or four years where they might sort of slow down, they might have a role on the bench or they might go to a lesser club very rarely will a player go out, yeah, as you say, before 30, winning the Premier League and winning the FA Cup. It's almost never been done, really. Yeah, it's insanity. Um, but in saying that, you know, it's funny. He comes across as egotistical, but think of the pride you have to put aside to tell yourself, I'm actually at the peak of my career and I'm happy to pull the curtains now. Um, so it speaks to a real maturity um, of Eric Cantona because he could have easily earned good money in the game playing for an additional five, six, seven years. So well, he, he potentially would have been part of that treble winning team. Well, whether yeah. we win the treble, who knows? But you don't know how football turns out. But he's a part of that. In terms of, he'd be a key figure, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think you know we'll, we'll obviously continue to go through the list of players that we have here. But Cantona's yeah, right up there, I think, for pound for pound best signing. Well, next on the list, and um, we'll have a discussion maybe around four or five big names, and then we'll throw sort of some unique and interesting shouts out there. But for me, obviously, no surprise, my favourite United player of all time is Roy Keane, and he's definitely in the discussion. Now, the thing with Roy Keane, which we'll start on, is the transfer. Now, you look at this and think three and a half million, or maybe a little bit over three and a half million, you think, what a bargain. However, at the time, in 1993, that was a British transfer record. So, again, if we're talking inflation, I'm not sure what that is. Maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 million. Um, which is still quite, in this day, is a bargain. But at the time, it was a very expensive signing, but we look back at it now, and the impact Roy Keane went, went on to have at United, while, while it was a transfer record, it's a hell of a bargain. Absolutely. Um, one of my favourite players of all time for Manchester United. I can only speak to you know what I've seen throughout my lifetime. Um, and the, the thing is, like you know, again, this argument will be subjective. Um, if you're looking in terms of price, you say Cantona, but... The career Roy Keane goes on to have, he's part of the treble winning side. I know he didn't participate in the final, but I dare say we don't get to the final without Roy Keane. He was immense in that semi against Juventus. Um, captain, 
oversaw a very successful period, won a ridiculous amount of titles, plays over plays a 12-year career at Manchester United. I don't think many players can say that. So all in all, um, in terms of if you're looking at his tenure, um, and not just his tenure, I think you know he had a very injury-riddled end um, to his career at Manchester United, left under con- controversial circumstances. But if we're looking to what he contributed on the pitch, um, I don't think United go on to have the success they have without the Irishman. So, do you think his exit, maybe not so much the exit, but part of that, but also the injuries towards the end and going out? I, Roy Keane still contributing a lot at the time he was at United in those last couple of years. However. We just had that discussion about Cantona, who left in his absolute prime. Do you think if we'll sort of weigh these up, which we will have hopefully come to a clear winner in this, is that something that's going to sort of weigh against Roy Keane in terms of his exit from the club when you compare it to like of Cantona? Not for me. Um, I know Paul Scholes was a local junior, but you know I think we all saw he was you know pa- past his expiry date um, with a lack of better term to use um, in his final season with United. Um, I don't think anyone thinks lesser of Paul Scholes for that, so I'm not going to use that argument in Roy Keane. If we flip that, does Roy Keane maybe have a stronger argument than Eric Cantona in terms of his longevity? I just say he's there for 12 years or 11 or 12 years compared to Eric Cantona. It was there for a great time, but it wasn't a long time. Well, exactly it. Um, and in terms of what Roy Keane goes on to achieve, um, the treble to this day is the greatest achievement in um, for any English football club in a in a season of fo- um, in a season. So, yeah, it's definitely something to take into account. Cantona, while short and brilliant, and again, we're talking about the success that goes on. It was he signing the catalyst of that. We still have to recognise that Cantona. You know what happened beyond his period at United. We can't say. Definite for definite, that's because of Cantona. So, yeah. no, it's interesting. Um, now, th- this one's a weird one, which we'll definitely go back on to Cantona and Roy Keane when we have our discussion at the end. But his name always gets thrown up, and my first answer would be no. However, he's definitely in the discussion. Um, Robin Van Persie. Mm. The, the reason I say this one is because we all know this, the photo of him holding up the number 20 shirt with Ferguson and the little boy, and he obviously signing from Arsenal to go and win the league. Job done, win the league in Australia's final season. And you look at the price, buying Arsenal's best player, almost guaranteeing the title for only 24, 25 million. One hell of a bargain. However, this discussion we had there with Cantor and Keane, I look at the longevity, and I don't think Van Persie can be included in that discussion. However, you look at the job he was brought in to do, to guarantee a Premier League title, 20 million was an absolute bargain to do that. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, and in terms like, what's the ultimate goal in football? Just to win trophies. Um, Robin Van Persie comes in, um, and there's now that famous um, story that Rio Ferdinand has told endless time around Fergie pulling in his defenders, his midfielders, and he's saying, all you have to do this season is give this this man the ball, and he'll score the goals. Well, there was a quote by what Ferguson used to be talking about Arsene Wenger when he signed him. Arsene Wenger said, Sir Alex, you don't understand how good this player is. And I remember when we signed Van Persie, I put my hands up, I was wrong. I was saying we should keep Danny Welbeck and play Danny Welbeck, not Van Persie. And I was completely wrong. Because I didn't realise Van Persie was as good as he was. I thought, oh, good player, good finisher. Okay, it's good. Okay, but I wasn't over the moon with I was thinking, oh, we could be throwing Danny Welbeck through the middle. But Arsene Wenger was completely right. Van Persie had so much more to his game than I initially thought when he was at Arsenal. Oh, mate, like... We'll have to do it as a podcast for another day, but I'd love to really dive into the stats around Van Persie versus Van Nistelrooy. Um, I think they're very similar players in the sense you wouldn't look at them and think, you know, you're lethal in the air solely or you're, you're blessed with unbelievable pace. 
they don't both those players don't have one quality where you look at them and say yep they're really good at this one thing but what they are efficient at is in front of goal just killers um, and what Van Persie did that season uh, the goal against Aston Villa alone is worth the transfer record um, I think that one is embedded in Manchester United fans minds but I think the longevity does hurt Van Persie in this argument, um, but if you have to have a, you know, if you're looking at it from a different perspective, it's to say the ultimate goal in football is to win trophies. Manchester City just, you know, knocked United off their perch to some respect, winning their first title, um, and we're about to threaten an, a, a longevity of dominance, which, you know, you could argue that they have or haven't done, but um, that next season for Sir Alex to come back and win the title, Van Persie is, you know, he's the catalyst of that, so definitely an argument to say yeah good signing in terms of what he was brought in to do I think we, I could definitely have a different view of it maybe and this is nothing against the person absolutely loved him and he's probably here longer than we think he was there for the Moyes season he was there for the first Van Hal season so he, did, he was there for a little bit of a period of time however we always just remember that 12-13 season but I look back and we said I think it was in regards to when we were discussing why matter saying maybe through sort of a bad period for United but not through his fault and I thought through no fault of Van Persie I think I'd be having a far different discussion if Nani didn't get sent off against Real Madrid, I think we go on to win the Champions Very well likely go on to win the Champions League that season. And suddenly that $20 million and a Premier League title, you add a Champions League title to that. And Van Persie could very well be a clear winner in this debate. Absolutely. I think what also hurts him is um, in the Moy season, he scored 17 goals. Um, I think Rooney was the only player who came out unscathed from the Moy season. Um, but what really did hurt Van Persie was his injury record. Um, beyond that initial, um, the inaugural season with Sir Alex, his injury record was diabolical. He didn't spend enough time on the pitch. Um, under the Moy season, in terms of goals to games, his record was actually really good, better than Rooney's. Um, but beyond that, um, Van Gaal, he comes in under as the main man, and you thought, you know, with the fellow Dutchman, his his national coach coming in, you thought it was we were going to see a return to that 12-13 Van Persie. It didn't eventuate. He fell out. Um, and leaves United under not the greatest of terms. I think he... Well, the, the, the club still hasn't announced that he left. Well, no, they haven't. Um, so he could still be under contract. Who knows? <laughs> and, and the way that you know United do their transfer business, it's possible. Well, but... we could do with a strike when Cavani leaves. Oh, yeah, we could. I um, mean, well, he fits the age profile and he'd be on a free transfer. But, yeah, I think the way he leaves hurts him. And I think his injury record prior to that first season does come into account here. Well, we mentioned Rooney a few times there. And he's next on the list, I think, Wayne Rooney now. We've done a podcast on Wayne Rooney. We don't need to go into... Well, maybe it's part of the discussion. But we go into all the contract disputes and sort of in and out of form and out of position. Was he a striker? Wasn't he a striker? But I just want to look at his huge price tag at the time, especially for a kid his age. It was about 27, 28 million, I think. But you just have to look back at the end of the day, the titles that he won. But not only the titles that he won, he's Man United's leading goal scorer, for God's sake. Yeah. But that has to be a huge part of saying, well... He has to be in this. He has to be in the discussion. Yeah, I think Rooney's such an interesting player, and that's probably because he was so unselfish. Um, he, he's really hurt his own reputation, um, his own legacy, in my opinion, by being so selfless. Um, always happy to play on the wing, play in midfield, um, to accommodate other players. So, like you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to take a back seat. Um, so he was happy to, you know, do whatever was best for the team. Um, I think it's easily forgotten that second leg against Real Madrid, he plays on the right wing. Yeah. Um, you know, Rooney always put the team first, and I think should he have been more selfish, I think this argument wouldn't even be up for debate. I think you'd definitely say it's Wayne Rooney um, because of his selfless nature and the fact that. 
he was never the leader in terms of United success. I think we all look back at that Champions League and League double in 2007-8 and we think of Ronaldo. You know, you always have that picture. Who's front of mind? Cristiano Ronaldo was the one for that season. Um, I think his 9-10 season really stands out for Rooney and to think if he didn't have that injury, I think United could have gone on to win the Premier League and the, and the Champions League because he was having one of those seasons where it was like, okay, he was maybe not quite Messi-Ronaldo levels but just in the bracket below that. Um, so yeah, difficult one, but what you say spot on. United's leading goal scorer, England's leading goal scorer. No, not only his individual stats would go there, but you just mentioned there the 0708 Champions League and the Premier yeah. League titles. But maybe we associate maybe the goal record and the controversies with Wayne Rooney. But if you actually take a step back, I don't have him in front of me. But his trophy record, he's got an unbelievable. He's, he won the lot along with Michael Carrick in terms of an English player winning everything: the Champions League, the Europa League, the FA Cup, the Premier League, the League Cup. That's another sort of tick in his box for this this award. Yeah, seven or eight Premier League titles, something ridiculous like that. Um, FA Cup. Yeah, you're right. He's, he has won the lot. I just think what hurts him as well, and again, you, that, that interesting topic that you brought up of not finishing on top, the way he leaves United, not yeah. ungraceful, um, but he was definitely, you could see he was... If he went, out, if he went out in that type of form in 2007, 2008, would have a very different view. But the, he went out in that form in such a bad period for the club. Well, okay, maybe not that Mourinho says we won two trophies, but in that era of not winning the Premier League post-Fergie, there was so much frustration around the fan base, and Wayne really copped a lot of from myself included. I wasn't happy with his performances. But if he, if it was just one... Look at Gary Neville. Gary Neville was absolutely woeful for a year, but it was in a winning team. So it was okay. It was almost laughed upon. It was like, okay, you're doing well, Gary. Please move on. We still love you. But with Wayne Rooney, the bad performances came with bad results. And... No fans kind of in a laughing mood then. No, there's also the emotional component of this. Um, as you know, Wayne Rooney is my favourite player. Uh, I think the thing that hurts him in this argument, whether you want to, whether it's right or wrong to do this, um, the flirt, the flirting with Manchester City, the flirting with Chelsea um, in in the Moy season, um, those do stick out. A player who, on the pitch, you can't fault his contribution, but you also have to say, did he achieve as good as he was? Um, and, and I'm just doing this for argument's sake. As good as Wayne Rooney was, was could he have been better in terms of what he contributed? I think if he took care of himself better, um, you know, had the commitment to his game the way we say we see like a Ronaldo. Well, do you think he's rightly compared to Ronaldo? Because you say that, and the obvious answer we're just discussing there in terms of diet and getting back on track. In terms of you look at what Ronaldo did to his body, and you see what happened to Wayne Rooney's body. Is it, is it an unfair comparison or is it natural to compare the two? Because they both arrived pretty much at the same time, around the same age, same position. And like, do you, obviously we understand the comparison, but do you think it's right to compare Rooney to Ronaldo? Because seeing what Ronaldo went on to do, and we say, oh, Rooney could have done that. Well, could he have? Or was just Rooney just Rooney? Um, it's, it's a difficult one to answer because their body types are different. You know, there's a science element to this. Cristiano Ronaldo, and we're, we're seeing it, um, like, if you look at that body type, that ectomorph, Zlatan Ibrahimovic playing well into his 30s, borderline 40s, still in epic condition. Ryan Giggs did it. Ryan Giggs, exactly. That lanky body type seems to be more durable. Um, Rooney has that stockier build, like a Luke Short today, to look for a player of comparison, Aguero, that shorter base. And we're seeing those players who tend to be a bit more stocky don't seem to have longevity in their careers. Um, Sergio Aguero is still a wonderful finisher, but he's not the dribbler he was you know um, so there is an argument to say the body type 
but of course the diet um, the commitment off the pitch Rooney loved to drink I think that's not a I'm secret I'm sure his diet was still probably better than all of us but still compared to a professional yeah. athlete and compared to Ronaldo yeah it's did he do the absolute did he do absolutely everything he could to maintain the high level, the high standard that he set I think that's the thing that hurts Rooney um, but it doesn't detract from what he achieved in his career and rightfully so in this argument well, the name that obviously comes up with Rooney half the time, and it did plenty of times in that discussion, um, Cristiano Ronaldo is the last name on sort of his main list of names we have here. And the main reason, well, we'll get into his performance and his contribution, but the main thing I've almost included him in this list is the transfer fee. He's coming for 12, 12 million or around that. Not so much that, but from a business point of view, in terms of pound for pound value for money, the profit we made, he went for 80 million. Now, we look at it now and think 80 million was an absolute bargain for Real Madrid. He should have gone for 180 million at the time. But just from a business point of view, from United's viewing, 12 million turned into 80 million. It's a huge value for money, pound for pound signing. He ticks all the boxes. He, he got sold for well beyond what we initially bought him for, what he achieved. Um, and again, a lot of credit has to go to the player himself. The, the commitment, the drive he had. It was funny, um, just before we started recording, I was having a read. Um, Patrice Avram made the post, um, this story about table tennis with Rio Ferdinand. He loses. He then gets someone to buy him a table tennis table. Um, he, he practices relentlessly, beats Rio Ferdinand two weeks later. What a competitor, what a player. And what he achieved, particularly in that 07-08 season, um, phenomenal. Um, 42 goals. No player at United has matched that record since he's left. The way he leaves, not great. Um, injury-riddled season. Um, the the se- the following season, the 08-09 season, get to a Champions League final. He loses. He reiterates this constant commitment to United. He then leaves to Real Madrid. Um, I think the way he leaves, and you know, of course, there's that romanticism. I don't think you'll meet many United fans who speak badly of Ronaldo. That final season wasn't great. Um, wasn't great. I thought he wasn't he still our top goal scorer, still won a Premier he League was. title. He was Tom. But I think when you compare it, to, take away that 42 goals. Say he scored 30 and 30. What did he score in these 08 09? How many goals? Oh, did he score? it was close to close to 30 goals. Okay, so say he did that in 07 08. We'll be thinking, okay, two very good seasons. But you say the thirty season, the thirty goal season in 08 or 09 is poor compared to the previous season. It's not where... poor, but you have to take it into context of the player, right? Look at what he goes on to to achieve with Real Madrid. Yeah. His goals beat his games. I remember when he when he went to Real Madrid. As sad as I was, leave when he left for eighty million, I was thinking, oh, look, eighty million. Well, he's not going to have a season like he just did. Every single season, he's better than maybe except for this season. He didn't have a season like he just did. He did better every he... single season. Honestly, what a player. We'll have to do a podcast. We'll back it, More than a year ago, we are doing podcasts of looking at careers in perspective. So we'll definitely have to do one on Ronaldo at some point. But look, if you're talking in terms of transfer value, in terms of what, we, what he achieved on the pitch, in terms of he gave five years to United, so it's definitely a, a solid argument. Um, and for what he ends up getting sold for, he ticks the criteria for every basis. If you're talking what's good for pound-for-pound pound signing, he ticks everything. So... I would have loved to see him say longer, obviously, but yeah, I think he's rightfully in this argument. I think it'll just come down to what do we value and what are the outside influences such well, as... In regards to value, there's just a little point I was going to make up yeah. there. In terms of Eric Cantona, I love Cantona, I saw a bit of his career, but obviously maybe didn't understand the game or see his full career to truly appreciate everything. And Cantona's very well maybe at the top of my list. But I look at Ronaldo and part of the value for me for me, Paul Scholes is the best player I've seen at United. And now I understand there's better players. You could argue Ronaldo's better or Eric Cantona's better or whoever is a better footballer. But for me, Paul Scholes was the best I've seen. 
that I don't think a player has excited me as much as Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think that is part of Man United and the value we see in players. As a, as a player, I know Wayne Rooney was your favourite player. But has a player ever excited you more than Cristiano Ronaldo? Maybe it is Wayne Rooney, I'm not sure. But any names for Oh, no, up? look, R- Ronaldo's. Just the way he gets on the ball, the pace. You know, nothing's more exciting than speed on the ball. Nothing. Um, and you know what we haven't brought up in this argument, Tom? Marketability. If you want to talk about the value of a transfer, the amount of money Ronaldo made for Manchester United based on shirt sales alone, yeah. he became this phenomenon, um, a good-looking guy as well, where his marketability alone created millions, for, generated millions of pounds for United. So he ticked all the boxes in terms of this argument. Well, he really should be top of the argument now. I look at it in terms of that. But we will, before we go on and go back to sort of pick the who we think is after the discussion we had, we'll just go with a few interesting shouts um, to wrap up the podcast. So obviously not players who are going to win this award, or not award, but you know what I mean, who sort of win the debate. But any names that are worth mentioning, I've got a few written down, but anyone springs to mind for you, you want to sort of give a worthy note? Yeah, um, I think Michael Carrick's definitely worth a shout. Um, that might raise eyebrows and you know he came in for an expensive transfer fee but you have to look at what what United achieved with Michael Carrick we literally had the best period in terms of United success Um, in United's rich history since since 1878 there was not a more successful period in terms of trophies and and accolades than when when Michael Carrick was signed he comes in you win the Champions League double he then goes on to win countless amounts of Premier League trophies League Cups FA Cup Europa League um, goes on to have a more than a 10-year career at Manchester United. So again, worth noting, gets his testimonial game. Um, and again, a player who retired, he wasn't played as much. I'm not going to say at the peak of his powers, he obviously wasn't, but he didn't have a dip off in the quality that he produced on the pitch, Michael Carrick. Um, I think he, I think the way he actually retired was a better player than the one who actually was signed. So I think that's a worthy argument, uh, or a worthy case. Maybe not in this argument, but just below well, before we go on, it's a weird one. Which these signings never really come up in these type of discussions, but there's three of them. Usually, maybe you could throw one in, but three goalkeepers. Peter Schmeichel came in for around, I think it was about five hundred thousand pounds. I think that might have been the season before the Premier League. I think. Um, I'm sure someone's screaming at their phone saying no, it was this season or that season. But I don't think Peter Schmeichel qualifies for the debate. But he's definitely in the discussion because such a cheap price, um, even at that, even at that time and gone on again to win everything obviously win the treble with Man United but not only Peter Schmeichel Van der Sar was only around 2 million maybe a bit under 2 million won everything with United and then also De Gea you look back and okay he hasn't had the success in terms of trophies he obviously won one Premier League title and a few cups here or there but De Gea came in for pretty big money at the time especially for a young goalkeeper but he's given us some hell of a longevity and for a large chunk of that time has been the best goalkeeper in the world yeah, he has. Um, look, we say best goalkeeper in the world. What do you, de- what do you determine uh, uh, as the best goalkeeper? For, for three or four years, I know there is a debate, but there's no debate for me. For three or four years, he was the best goalkeeper in the world. He was the best shot stopper in the world. I think I'll stop short of saying best goalkeeper. Goalkeeper sh- saves shots. That's what he does. Look, Tom, it's a debate for another day. Maybe we debate who was Manchester United's best goalkeeper of all time. Um, I, I, I take your point. I don't think he's in this debate for me. Oh, no, definitely not. I just thought just thought maybe it's just a shout for the goalkeeper. And we're talking pound for pound here. Are you seeing yeah. the wages he's on? He's robbing United blind. <laughs> he is on a bit. But um, join us next week for um, the next De Gea v. Henderson debate. But um, a few other defenders here, a bit of a mention. 
Well, Nemanja Vidic. I thought Vidic, Ferdinand, and Evra. And I'll, I'll maybe start on Ferdinand. Should he maybe have gone? Uh, maybe, maybe not into the top five, but um, they're worth a shout because Rio Ferdinand was obviously a huge transfer fee. But in terms of his success, again, won the lot. And the impact him and you almost do have to pair him with Nemanja Vidic. You do have to have them as a pair almost, which might sort of take away from their argument a little bit. But yeah, just on those, any word on Evra, Vidic, and Ferdinand? Ferdinand again defining you know pound for pound and what what you tick what boxes you tick in terms of this argument. Rio Ferdinand would have been worth one hundred and fifty nine million. Um, I'm going off total, totallymoney.com. So what they do is they look at transfer fees, what a player was worth during their playing career, and what they'd be worth today. Rio Ferdinand an eye watering one fifty nine million pounds. Well, they compared his transfer fee in terms of United's revenue to Paul Pogba's at the time. Mm. And Rio Ferdinand was a far more expensive signing to United than Paul Pogba was at yeah, the time. Yeah, in terms of what United turned over in terms of profit, yeah, definitely was. Um, that's an argument for pound-for-pound pound signing. Mm. Because, again, you go on his longevity, what he goes on to achieve. I think what hurts Rio, um, rightly or wrongly, I personally don't agree with this argument, but I think it does contribute, um, we weren't able to win a trophy until Vidic and Evra came in. I think they... And he wasn't the problem. I think that speaks more to his partners. I but Ferdinand won a title his first season. Oh, he did. He did yeah. win a title in his first season. But there was that three-year period where you know United didn't win the Premier League. Um, and I think that maybe hurts him in this argument, rightly or wrongly. Um, no fault of his own in my eyes. But I think in this argument, we're looking at what that player goes on to achieve during his tenure. And of course, Ferdinand's achieved you know greatest honours in, in um, club football. But I don't think he... He doesn't stand out. He doesn't stand out the way like a, a Keane does or a Ronaldo does. Do you think on a free, I just saw one of the Facebook comments, George was having a discussion with him. Again, it doesn't go into this discussion, but maybe just worth of a little 30-second discussion. Um, Zlatan, he was obviously a free transfer. Mm. He came on, and you, you look back, and okay, it's not the Premier League title, but he came in for a season. Okay, he was there for that half of the next season. But he came in for one season, won us a European trophy in the Europa League and the League Cup, and, and won us the League Cup with that last-minute header. And, okay, he's on huge wages and there was no longevity. But he came in for a season and got the job done. Yeah, pound for pound, though, I yeah. can't. I look, good oh, yeah, signing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely not pound for pound. But, but no. Uh, yeah. um, my last name here I've got here is, um, again, not a winner of the d- debate, but um, our manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, 1.5 million. And Man United isn't Man United without Solskjaer because that ball doesn't go in the back of the German's net. Can you put a price on that goal? You know what you want to add to this argument? He's our current manager. If he doesn't sign for Manchester United, would he be Manchester United's current manager? No. So, again... Um, Is Solskjaer if, now the favourite for this debate? Well, there's an argument, because he, he puts the ball in the back of the net to win us the treble, Tom. Yeah. He, he, he secures the treble. And, and I, I've seen, you know, negative YouTube hosts talk about how that's all he's famous for no his goal record was phenomenal um he he had a lot of the time on the bench and i think at at any other premier league club he starts he he was a great finisher not enough he's spoken about what a quality footballer Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was in terms of on the eye he doesn't maybe appeal the way like a Cristiano Ronaldo does or a Robin Van Persie does not the not the stylish striker but what he knew how to do was finish um, and when you're talking about longevity, he he stayed at United till 1997. Uh, sorry, 2007, I should say. Um, and then he goes on to become Manchester United's manager, and he's still there to date. So if you want to talk about that 1.5 million pound and what it's what he's gone on to achieve and continues to achieve at the club, 
there is an argument to say pound for pound. Yeah. Definitely value for money there. Yeah. Well, we did make the initial top five, but we may have just um, swung the argument. But um, we'll go back to the, the initial five, or maybe you want to include one of those guys or anyone else who has sprung to mind throughout the discussion. But um, if you had to put your house on it, um, one player who's United's pound for pound greatest signing in Premier League history. I'm saying Roy Keane. I didn't expect that one because I was going Eric Cantona and halfway through the discussion I was thinking God, we've made a good case for Cristiano Ronaldo. I just think the reason I would settle on Eric Cantona is just the the 26 years without a title and him being that missing piece. I think if we don't win that title after 26 years, does that turn to 30 years? Does that turn to 35 years? Does that turn to 50 years? And who knows how the story unfolds. But I think him being the catalyst, not only for that short term in terms of getting that one title over the line, but the impact he had on the likes of the class of 92, who then carried the torch and sort of carried the name of Man United and gone on to achieve greatness. I don't know if that happens with Cantona. And I just look at the main thing in terms of, OK, well, quite expensive at the time, that price tag of just over a million pound. I just look at that and think a million pound compared to what players are going for now. Well, a million pound by, uh, yeah. uh, by a, a Swedish left back from in the under-16s team. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, look, no, look, it's a strong argument. Um, I, I've only, I've gone keen based on his longevity. Um, I think what he achieved with, with United, but yeah, and, and I think that's the the appeal of Cantona is the great unknown. Um, it's to say, if he wasn't signed, what does United go on to achieve? No, there's no argument to say, you know, what happens without Cantona. No doubt about it. He comes in. He was the cherry on top. One point five million, to, and not just that. I think it's worth saying. He, while strengthens United, weakens a rival for the title. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a strong argument, and I think you'd be right to say Cantona is United's greatest ever signing, pound for pound. Well, it's a good chat talking about sort of past times and when it was far more pleasant supporting United. But on the future, just maybe one more name who we mentioned a little bit in the podcast. If we do this podcast in 10 years' time, could Bruno Fernandes be in the discussion? He'd have to win some things and win them quick. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, he's in that breath with Eric Cantona. Okay, well, I've just given Cantona our greatest ever signing. He's definitely not in that category, but you can the seed is there. You can see a potential for something there. Oh, no doubt about it. I think what Bruno's contribution has brought to the pitch, and, and on a lesser term, he's come in and last season, do United make top four without Bruno Fernandes? Not a hope, not a chance what he's gone on to achieve in terms of his and not just that he's bettered his statistically he's better than last season his output is ridiculous um, I think he might just get hurt because if United get that elite centre back or the perfect defensive midfielder or the right winger there's so many holes in the team at the moment that I think any of those signings come in and United win a title they're naturally going to get the praise I think Bruno is he has the potential to be the start of that greatness definitely will go down in terms of this debate in 10 years time but what United and how much money United put on the signings who then come in to hopefully set us up for that Premier League success I think that will come into the argument yeah no definitely but as I said just then it was very good to have a chat sometimes good to break up the sort of the the rhythm of the podcast and do something a little bit different rather than talk about sort of match reviews and transfers something sometimes it is good to sort of sit back over a beer and enjoy some past glories but um the football hopefully is back soon are we on saturday or sunday against brighton well you haven't looked that far in advance oh i haven't i haven't known it's just international in, in, football. in saying that i think it's brighton next i'm not quite sure i think we're playing brighton next at home 
and um, they'll be a tough game because I remember Brighton absolutely smashed us at the start of the season. We ended up winning after full time, but um, Brighton hit the post four or five times, so it was a very tough game. But um, obviously we've got the Europa League games against Granada coming up as well, so um, we will be back maybe maybe the end of the week, maybe before the Brighton if anything pops up um, to have a discussion. If not, after the Brighton match, hopefully discussing one step closer to second spot. Not that that's something to celebrate, but you know those are the days of 2021. We're celebrating second place, but. Um, until then, Larry, make sure you have a good week. Yeah, you too, mate. It was good to chat um, and have some nostalgia and back to the misery of Manchester United post post this one. No, exactly. So hope, hopefully everyone enjoyed that podcast and make sure you have subscribed on your podcast app and all your social medias. And if you can give us a review or a rating on your podcast app, it takes 30 seconds. If you're holding your phone right now, less than 30 seconds, um, it would be very much appreciated. So until then, we will chat to you in a few days. Have a good one. All right, cheers.